Please enjoy this special throwback episode of the Little Lessons podcast. It was originally published on September 29th, 2022. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss any special releases like this one. Welcome to the Little Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Mitchell, and this is Episode 5, The Big Easy. I haven't had very many opportunities to travel in my life. So I have often found myself romanticizing the places and locations that I've never been to and places that I desperately want to visit. For instance, I want to visit Italy so I can see the history and the architecture, and let's be honest, eat the food. I want to visit Paris to see the Eiffel Tower and experience all of the fashion and eat the food. I'd love to visit London so I can see the castles and uh, experience some of the pomp and circumstance of the royal family, and again, eat the food. I've wanted to visit New Orleans because I've wanted to hear the jazz music, see all of the colors, and definitely eat beignets. Are you sensing a pattern here? So when I ended up in New Orleans a few years ago, I was so excited to experience all of these amazing things, the jazz music, the colors, and the food. And I found myself learning some very valuable lessons in that experience. But first, what brought me to New Orleans in the first place? I rarely travel with my husband for his business trips, but in 2019, I actually had the opportunity to accompany him on a business trip to the sprawling metropolis of Loxley, Alabama. When we were nearing the end of of our trip and we had finished up all of our meetings and gone on some cool factory tours and watched machinery being made, my husband sells large pieces of equipment, um, we found ourselves with some time to kill. Now, if you don't know me and my husband, Carson, we both absolutely love the Hard Rock Cafe. And we recognized that, or we realized that between Loxley, Alabama, and the nearest Hard Rock Hotel in Biloxi, Mississippi, was not a very long drive, maybe like an hour and a half, two hours, that in the grand scheme of things, us traveling without our kids, we could make that drive easily. So we finished up our meetings on our last day there, and we decided to drive to Biloxi, Mississippi. Well, we got to Biloxi, and then we realized that New Orleans wasn't that much farther, and there was a Hard Rock Cafe right on Bourbon Street in New Orleans, Louisiana. So we thought, hey, we're traveling on our own. We don't have a a schedule to keep. So we decided to drive further to New Orleans to see a city that neither one of us had ever experienced before. We found the Hard Rock Cafe that was right on the corner of Bourbon Street. You could look out and see the whole street, see all the shops, and right across, just like out of out of a scene from a movie from like the Disney movie, The Princess and the Frog or something, there was a jazz band that just played the whole time. Um, the whole time we were eating lunch, we could hear this amazing jazz music just coming in from the street, and it was exactly what I expected. It was just, it was, it was a party. It was, it was a great time. Everybody was having fun. This was probably in the 
the late afternoon of the day. So we finished up our meal, which we enjoyed, and then we decided we want to go see Bourbon Street. We've never been here. We want to we want to see the sights. We want to see what this is all about. So we started walking up and down and going into shops and picking up souvenirs for the kids, and we decided that we wanted some more food. Again, the pattern. Megan loves to eat. We stopped at this little outdoor cafe. I wish I could remember the name, but we had a basket of beignets and we listened to more jazz music and we saw statues of Louis Armstrong and just really took in the atmosphere and enjoyed ourselves. We had a good time. And then the sun started to set and the atmosphere changed. It became something that my husband Carson and I are really not used to. We we don't drink, we don't partake in any sort of real party lifestyle. So as soon as the sun went down, the entire atmosphere of Bourbon Street changed and it was a huge, raucous party. We were trying to take pictures with the different sites and we would have a bunch of drunk people come in and jump in the picture with us people that we didn't know and you know it's fine they were having a good time they were living their lives I can't I can't really fault them for that um but the the crowds just began to grow and grow and like the streets and the sidewalks was just wall-to-wall people and there wasn't even a big event going on that we were aware of it was just Everywhere you looked, there were people. Um, It was almost suffocating how many people we were trying to weave our way through as we walked down the street to actually try to get into our car to leave. Um, But as we were walking, I, I started to get more and more nervous and scared. And, um, my husband kept a really tight hold on my hand the whole time and kind of led me through the crowd. Now, if you don't know me, you wouldn't know that I'm I'm a fairly petite woman. I'm about five, two and a half. Um, my husband stands about six feet tall. He's very broad. He's um, He can maybe come across intimidating if he really wanted to. So he was kind of leading me through and I was holding on like as tight as I could to his hand because I knew if we got separated, I I would get lost. I don't know what would have happened, but it would have been it would have it would have made me a little bit scared. Now I am nowhere near the type of person I would never describe myself as being a damsel in distress. I um I don't ever feel like I really need a ton of help in my day to day life. I'm I'm just a I, I know myself well enough to know that I can I can get through most situations, but in this circumstance, I had to rely on my husband to get me through this huge crowd, this huge mob of people, um, most of whom were drunk and and getting getting very crazy and having the time of their lives. Um, the lesson that I took from this is that I need to always hold on to the things that I know to be safe, the things that I know to be comfortable, and the things that I know to be true. 
So let me explain this. If I use the crowd on Bourbon Street as a, a metaphor of just life in general, there is always hardship. There are always things coming at me that are going to try to um, derail my life. Whether it's um, uh, any, any sort of hardship or temptation or, or weakness that I'm feeling, there's always going to be things that I struggle with. There's going to be, and some days it's going to be worse than others. Um, I've, I've seen my share of hard times as I think anybody has. We've, we've all, everybody has, has been there experiencing hard times. It's different for everybody. We're all blessed to be in different circumstances so that we learn the way that we need to. But I know that if I, so like I said, going back to the, the metaphor, if the crowd is hardship, struggle, temptation, depression, um, uh, frustrations, then holding on to my husband is like holding on to the, the truths that I have learned through my life, um, the things that I know will always, always bring me comfort. Some of those things include the knowledge of a loving Heavenly Father. A Heavenly Father who is constantly watching out for me and looking out for me. Um, one of those things is integrity. I've experienced in my life that having integrity will get me through hard circumstances will get me through hard times will get me through struggles by having um, an attitude of integrity. Another thing that I know to be true to help me through hard times is the power of prayer. And that that goes in line with a loving Heavenly Father. If I know that I have a loving Heavenly Father, then I know that he hears my prayers. I know that he listens to them and that he answers them. In thinking about this principle of holding on to the things that I know to be true, to get through things that are hard, um, I am reminded of a story in the Old Testament, the story of Jacob's son, Joseph. Now, if you've, if you've read it before, bear with me while I kind of summarize some of the details. So, Jacob had... Um, 12 sons and one of his sons was Joseph and Joseph was kind of looked at as maybe the favorite in the family there were some there was some extreme sibling there was some extreme sibling rivalry with his with his brothers and um, they ended up ultimately selling him to Ishmaelites who sold him into slavery to Potiphar. Um, while he was working for Potiphar, Potiphar's wife kept trying to come and seduce Joseph. Basically, he, he just, she tried to get Joseph into some compromising positions and he 
clung to his integrity that he had, that he knew that if he had did anything with Potiphar's wife, that it would compromise um, his integrity. And he kept saying no. He kept saying no. Every single time she would try to tempt him, he would say no. And she ultimately ended up tricking the whole situation. And he still ended up thrown in jail where he... um, he made such a good, or he had such a good relationship with the head of the prison that he was actually almost given control of the prison. And while he was there, he um, he kept, he stayed close to the Lord. He stayed close to God. He stayed true to the integrity that he had and to promises that he understood to be true that would come to him if he stayed faithful. So, Because he was the son of Jacob, he was part of the Abrahamic covenant, which would give him amazing blessings, amazing blessings. And he knew that he had to stay true to the things that he knew um, to be able to get through these hardships. So again, like I said, integrity. He relied on the promises that he had been given from Heavenly Father. And then in turn, he ended up actually getting, getting blessed for all of this. Um, he was able to interpret dreams in the prison for uh, Pharaoh's, some of Pharaoh's servants, a, a baker and a butler. And when word got back to Pharaoh and he had had some dreams that left him unsettled, he called on Joseph to come and interpret them. And Joseph ended up becoming a, an important part of Pharaoh's kingdom. Now, after all of the hardship that he had been through, he stayed true to the promises that he had made to God. He held on. He held on through all of these hard things. He held on through the temptation of Potiphar's wife. He held on through his experience being in prison. He held on to that faith. He held on to that integrity and held on to those promises that Heavenly Father had given them given him. And he was ultimately blessed for it. It took a long time. And I'm quite sure that, okay, I'm not quite sure because I wasn't there, but I would believe that he got discouraged. And I would believe that it was really hard for him to hold on to those, to those things that he knew to be true, but he did it. He did it, and that's what we can take from this and apply to our lives, that certainly when we meet moments of temptation, we can rely on promises that we've made to ourselves or to Heavenly Father or um, covenants and commandments that we know to be true and helpful that will help, help us in our lives. And if you're anything like me, when you're hearing the story of Joseph in Egypt, you might be imagining Mr. Donny Osmond uh, playing that role and singing the song, Close Every Door to Me. Now, this in the play, this scene takes place in jail after he's been thrown in jail for something that he didn't even do. At the very end of the lyrics, it says, Close every door to me. Keep those I love from me. Children of Israel are never alone. For we know we shall find our own peace of mind. For we have been promised 
a land of our own. I know that Andrew Lloyd Webber definitely took some freedoms and some artistic license with writing the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. But I do appreciate those lyrics about um, being promised a land of his own. Joseph was was promised through his lineage to have some amazing blessings. And in that particular song, he explains that he's able to keep his faith because he can rely on those promises from Heavenly Father. He is holding tight to those promises in the midst of absolute despair and darkness. Another story that comes to mind when I think about holding on tight to the things that I know to be true is the story of a vision found in the Book of Mormon. Um, in the first book of Nephi, the first book of the Book of Mormon, Lehi, the prophet at the time, has a vision. And he sees this beautiful tree with fruit that is the best tasting fruit that anybody could ever eat. And he sees a straight and narrow path leading to the tree. And along the path, he sees a rod of iron. And that rod of iron is leading directly to the tree. And he sees members of his family grab hold of that rod of iron and walk along this straight and narrow path and end up at the tree and partake of this fruit that is almost indescribable. Um, and that... The fruit represents the love of God and being with God. The rod of iron represents the word of God and holding tight to his commandments and holding tight to the things that he has asked us to do. Additionally, within this vision, we call it the vision of the tree of life. Um, Lehi also saw um, a river of filthy water running next to the, the straight and narrow path and the rod. And that symbolizes the filth of the world, the stuff that we don't want to partake in. And he also saw mists of darkness and people being unable to see the straight and narrow path and unable to grasp hold of the rod of iron because they're blinded by this, by this mist. And that represents temptation. And then finally, within this vision, he saw a huge building full of people who were just having a grand old time and laughing at all of the people who are grasping hold of the rod of iron, which would represent just like the things of the world that we don't want to be a part of. Um, and Lehi saw some of his family grasp hold of the rod of iron and make it all the way to the tree and return to live with God through the atonement of Jesus Christ. He saw some friends and family who started along the path, but then they, then they fell off. They let go and they ended up who knows where. And then uh, heartbreakingly, he saw in his vision, he saw some of his own sons reject it all. They rejected the, the rod of iron, thus rejecting the opportunity to partake of the fruit, to partake of, of life with our Heavenly Father through the atonement of Jesus Christ. 
when I am encountering hard times, specifically temptation, but any other sort of hardship, I have to rely on holding on to the things that I know to be true. If I want to resist the, that mist of darkness and resist that river of filthy water and resist the temptations of the world, I have to rely on, on my faith in Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and just hold on to that rod as hard as I can and as tight as I can. I found an amazing quote from C.S. Lewis, and I feel like this really does illustrate kind of the whole purpose of this story. He says, faith in the sense in which I am here using the word is the art of holding on to things in spite of your changing moods and circumstances. It's like I've, I've said throughout this entire episode, we are going to encounter hard struggles. And it just, it takes me back to that night on Bourbon Street when I was a little fearful, when I was nervous, when I was supremely unsure, holding on to my husband's hand and knowing that because I held tight to him and he held tight to me, I was going to make it through completely safe and unscathed. Thank you everyone for tuning in to episode five of the Little Lessons podcast. I absolutely so much appreciate everybody who is tuning in each week to hear these messages that I feel inspired to share. And for anybody who has left reviews or um, given me five stars, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And if you have a chance to share this episode with friends or with family, I would appreciate it so much. Um, I also want to uh, give a little plug. This weekend is my one of my absolute favorite weekends of the year, General Conference for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's an opportunity for us uh, members around the world to sit down for an entire weekend and hear messages from our beloved prophet and apostles and leaders of the church. I encourage you and invite you to, um, to tune in for conference and um, listen with an open mind and an open heart because Heavenly Father has messages to share with you. And if you go into conference excited and hopeful that you will hear something, I can almost guarantee that he is going to speak to your heart through his spirit. And with that, I invite you all to go through your day and look for the little lessons that Heavenly Father is sending directly to you.